This is Radio 4. Could you keep the noise down, please? This is a public library, you know. No, it isn't. What? It's a Radio 4 continuity suite. Is it? Yes. Ah. I'm in the wrong building again. <clears throat> in half an hour, today's... Ep- Are you sure? Yes! They really need to put some signs up. In half an hour here on Radio 4, today's edition of You and Yours comes from Junction 22 of the M1. Traditionally, rights to a a manor are handed down, but if you want it badly enough, it's there to buy on the internet. Peter thought he'd like one. He wrote to us when he became suspicious about a title he paid for via a website in Panama. Peter chose the title Lord Expat, but some things just didn't look quite right. Well, we thought perhaps a nudge from us might help, but for more than two weeks now, we've heard... Then at 12.27, Frank Muir goes into the kitchen for a cup of tea, only to find there really is a Humphrey about. And at half past six, our book well before bedtime is Enid Blyton's singular mystery, The Famous Five Go... Right now, though, it's time for this. It's the John Dredge Nothing To Do With Anything show. May I be the first to wish you a very merry hello, good evening and welcome. My name is John Tiberius Dredge, and here's a recording of my birth certificate to prove it. His name is John Tiberius Dredge. Oh dear, it seems the needle's stuck. I'll soon fix that. Narden, a lot of you have written in to ask what our theme tune is. Well, it is, of course, a piece of music specifically selected to create an identity for the performer and signify the start of the programme. We've had so many theme tunes over the years, haven't we? There was... And... Right the way through to... which I wrote myself. But sadly, those old theme tunes are no longer with us because, for one reason or another, they all exploded. However, our current theme tune is far better constructed and came with a 10-year guarantee for parts and labour. Let's hear just how sturdy it is. Hmm... Well, while I dictate an angry email to the manufacturer demanding my money back, here's the standby emergency edition of Dear Dredge. Our first email comes from Arnie Crunkulitis of Road Street, Lainton, who writes, Dear Dredge, I'm thinking of purchasing a horse box, but would rather not have to go through the hassle of owning a horse. What do you suggest? Well, Arnie, I'd suggest an intensive course of psychotherapy. Let me know how that works out for you. Clear! Next up, we've an email from Alan Alder of Americashire, who writes, Dear Dredge, I have suffered from a fear of apples ever since my father ate one and dropped down dead only 50 years later. To make matters worse, my uncle Pete also suffered a fruit-related fatality in 1992 when a crate of apples fell on his head. What should I do? Well, Alan, I can assure you that in most instances, apples are completely harmless. It's the raspberries you need to watch out for. 
Get that raspberry out of here. This is supposed to be a sterile environment. Like Radio 1, but with better music. Our next email comes from someone who is quite clearly using a pen name, a Mr Terence Byro of Quink in Norfolk. He writes, Dear Dredge, I seem to have mislaid my rostrum camera. I asked my neighbour, Mrs Nextdoor, if I could borrow hers, but she's using it to capture some old still photographs for a documentary on penguins in the Middle East. Have you any advice? Well, we've all lost our rostrum cameras at one time or another, Terence. I know I have. And the one thing that worked for me was... I'll repeat that. I must see a doctor. Our final letter for now is from Barry Quaxon of Up Before the Beak, who wants to know how the medical treatment we're underwriting for regular guest Don Durbridge is progressing. Is he still slightly odd, Barry writes in large capital letters. Well, I'm pleased to say he's here now to give us an update. Hello there, Don. Biscuits! It sounds like your condition hasn't improved much since your last appearance. Biscuits! Would you agree that an urgent review of your treatment might be needed? Biscuits! Can't you say anything other than biscuits? Baskets! Baskets? Biscuits! It really wasn't worth your while coming all this way, was it, Don? Oh, no, it wasn't that far, really. I just took a bus from the high street. Aha! Uh, uh, no, I meant... Uh, uh, biscuits! Biscuits! Caught red-handed, Don. You're not slightly odd at all and probably never have been. No more blank checks for you. Ah, oh, jammy dodgers. <laughs> Well, this is awfully queer, June. What is, Terry? No one's rung our doorbell, yet we've been on air for at least ten seconds. Hmm, that is unusual, Terry. I'll go and have a look. The entrance hall is much bigger than I remember. I wonder if we're in the wrong house again. That would be funny. Oh, no, wait a moment. I forgot. I built an extension into the front garden. Yes, that's right. Terry! You'll never believe this, but our front door's been stolen! For goodness sake, keep your voice down. You'll wake up all the other sitcoms in the street and we'll have that pair of Geordies round here complaining. That's highly unlikely, Terry. One's gone up the social ladder and the other's enlisted in the army. Oh, I always did wonder what happened to them. <laughs> but back to our own extraordinarily hilarious predicament, Terry. What are we going to do about the front door? Calm down, June. Put your feet up and listen to the radio for a while. It'll help take your mind off things. There's an old piano and a hot behind the green door. Someone knocking at the door. Somebody ringing the bell. such a good idea. Hi, Terry and June. Oh, 
look, Terry, it's those nice girls from Bananarama. Sultana Hoover? No, Terry, Bananarama. Oh, them. We were wondering whether we could possibly borrow a cup of sugar. Really, I do wish all you top pop stars would stop coming round asking for cups of sugar. June's worn out with all her trips to the cup of sugar shop. Oh, pay no attention to him, girls. It's no trouble at all. It doesn't matter whether it's trouble or not, June. They should have put some money aside for when there was no sugar to put in their tea. You don't see me going round cap in hand to... To Huey Lewis in the news asking for a cup of sugar every time the royalty payments for my brother get lost in the post. Oh, that's enough, Terry. So, girls, I heard a rumour you've got a greatest hits album coming out. Not another one. Terry, be nice to our guests. I'm trying, June, but no matter how many compilations they have out at any one time, they always seem so miserable. Well, you'd be miserable if your only gig every year was the 80s Rewind Festival. That's true. Once was more than enough for me. But we can't stand here talking to pop trios all day. We need to sort out the front door. Can we help? When we haven't got much pop star work in the diary, we install doors on the side. But we don't want a door on the side. We want it on the front. We do all kinds of doors, Terry. Have a business card. Tar. Bananarama door installations, front, back or side. It ain't what we do, it's the way that we do it. We accept all major credit cards and cups of sugar. I tell you what, girls. If you install the door, I'll make us all a nice cup of sugar. Right you are, June. Right you are. Mikey, that was quick. We always work faster to music, signifying the passing of time. Well, it looks splendid, girls. So here, as promised, is your cup of sugar. Thanks, June. Got to go. Robert De Niro's waiting. Cheers, then. Whoops. I knew it. Look at that shoddy workmanship, June. For goodness sake, Bananarama, what kind of cowboy taught you DIY? The nice man at number 27. Oh, no. You know who lives there, don't you, June? No, Terry. Who? Frank Spencer. <laughs> You're listening to the Nothing To Do With Anything show, where we're sorry to say that resident weather forecaster and avant-garde filmmaker David Lynch is unable to make it this week as he's working on a film about nothing of interest. So instead, here's something much more intriguing. Greetings, John, if I do say so myself. Well, if it wasn't David Lynch, I'd be a lot happier, but sadly it seems it is. Someone locked the door, John, but luckily I used the old noggin. I broke the door down with it. You never know when an old noggin might come in handy, so always carry one with you. That's my advice. So ends this week's noggin news. Apart from a good slap, what is it you want? I've written a poem that will stand the test of time. 
You have proof of this, do you? The proof is in the pudding, John. But unfortunately, my dog ate that very pudding this morning. The poem is entitled The Lamp Post. <laughs> and in that order. <laughs> Today I saw a lamp post. You see how up-to-date it is, John. Originally, the first line was last year I saw a lamppost, but that dated it somewhat. And he wrote up the lamppost. Today I saw a lamppost, not two or three, but one. Not 87,000 or 60 million. The lamppost stood there silent, knee-deep in awful snow. I'd like to tell you more, but I'm afraid I have to go. Oh, well, goodbye then. No, John, that was just part of the poem. I'm here all week. Not if I can help it, you're not. I should at least read the weather forecast, John, or your listeners won't know whether to go outside wearing duffel coats, sun hats, or twigs. The scattered showers will be wetter than usual, but may be rained off later in the day, although later in the day will take place slightly earlier. There will also be a sunny interval, with ice cream available in the foyer. This evening we'll see some unexpected outbreaks of heavy metal, so if you're going out, make sure you take some earplugs with you. And the outlook for tomorrow is missing. Someone must have stolen it out of my briefcase on the way over. Thank you, David. Have a grenade. Having trouble keeping hold of your Burgons? I know I was. But that was until I used the new KTEL Burgon dispenser. Here's what one satisfied customer said after we gave him a script and the equity scale minimum. When my regular monthly consignment of Burgons went astray, thanks to a courier firm I can't mention for legal reasons, the KTEL Burgon dispenser was able to dispense over 200 Burgons in the space of a few seconds without ruining my appetite. Now I can dispense them all year round and at plenty of other times as well. Whether you're sitting in the comfort of your own home or having a lie down at someone else's while they're out for the evening, the KTEL Burgon dispenser can help you wherever you are. Unless it's Catford. Over 2 million Burgon dispensers have been sold in the last 12 months alone, and not just because of an administrative error. The KTEL Burgon dispenser is 100% safe, as long as you don't press button B, and lasts far longer than all other Burgon dispensers currently available. Yes, when other dispensers wear out, the KTEL Burgon dispenser keeps on going, even if you don't want it to. Can't you shut that thing off? I don't know how to, darling. We're going to end up buried in Burgons! Hang on, what does this button do? The KTEL Burgon Dispenser. Just don't press button B. Button that should not be pressed varies by country. Check local press for details. Hello, this is Alan Rickman. You're listening to The John Dredd Show. Biscuits. Why am I saying biscuits? What does that even mean? Come along, Potter, I've had enough of this. Welcome back to this week's Thing, where, at long last, we are finally able to bring you our much-postponed feature, Old Bits of Bark, with our very special guest who's flown all the way from Australia to be with us, Dr Leonard Sapling. Dr Sapling, it's wonderful to finally... Hello, John. Why, it's agricultural singer-songwriter Farmer Collins. I can't help but assume from the nature of your entrance that you must have had some success with your recent application for a bank loan. No, I wish you were right about that, John, but they turned me down. So I had to buy a brand new tractor with the advance for me new single. You bought it with an advance? 
No, all right, I stole it. No pulling the wool over your eyes, is there? But it still inspired me to come through the wall and play you me brand new song. A unique piece that I've written entirely by myself. Check it out right about now. Me brand new tractor. Check it out now. Me brand new tractor. Through the wall now. Me brand new tractor. Check it out now. Me brand new tractor. A brand new tractor, slightly cheaper than A front end loader or a snow plow It's me brand new tractor, it one hands down On the tractor factor, 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 factor. The new one there from... Farm Boy Slim? Yep, I thought of that name entirely by myself as well Now that I can believe... Welcome to another edition of Where Are We Meant To Be Now, the part of the show where we visit some of England's lesser-known villages and discover the exact reasons why they are lesser-known. This week, I'm in the least-known village in England, which is... Um... Excuse me, sir, could you tell me where we are? I'm afraid not. If I did that, it wouldn't be the least-known village in England, would it? And then we'd have nothing to write in the brochures. Not that we have anything to write in the brochures in the first place, because nobody actually knows the name of the village. The village might not have a name, for all I know. It certainly doesn't appear in any brochures. How fascinating all that isn't. Tell me, how long have you lived here? I've lived here, man and boy, for nigh on 40 years. Nigh on 40 years? Well, nigh on and off. Before that, I lived in Tyne and Weir. Where? No, Weir. Weir? Yes. We're going back there next year. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Thankfully, I think I can see another village idiot approaching. Yes, it's the actor formerly known as Employed, Greg Haste. If you don't mind me saying so, Greg, you're becoming an alarmingly regular character on the show. Only because I've appeared so often, John. You don't actually live round here, though, do you? Good God, no. I'm merely appearing in Alan Akeboring's new play, Don't Have a Ding Dong with the Dentist, Mrs. Darlington. Unfortunately, I can't remember where. Try walking to the end of the path, then turn left and keep walking straight on for about 20 minutes. Ah, is that the way to the theatre? No, I just want you to get as far away from me as possible. Well, that's charming, isn't it? I mean, I offer you my services, free of charge, without any stipulations or any sort of invitation, and this is how I'm treated. Sorry, Greg, I'm going to have to shut you up there because we seem to have some gannets approaching downwind. Hello there, gannets. Are you from round this neck of the woods? You flew all the way from the Shetlands just to see Alan Akeboring's new play? What was it like? You thought Greg Haste's performance was a trifle low-key? Really? You give these yellow-headed beasts complimentary tickets, and in return they crap all over your car, metaphorically and literally. We'll have some of this. And don't come back! Although plenty of tickets are still available. And so, with the sound of Scottish seabirds screeching in our ears and the smell of buckshot in the air, it's time to say goodbye from wherever we are. I wish I'd been able to find out what this place is actually called. Why didn't you ask me, John? I know the name of this village. You do? Yes, it's called F*** Me's with a B***. 
No wonder it doesn't appear in any brochures. Joining me now on the Nothing to Do with Etc. is three-time winner of the Helping Out with the Next Bit of the Programme Award, actress and part-time spudgy-like potato wrangler, Anna Emerson. Nice to have you back on the show, Anna. Or, to put it another way, not you again. I could have put it better myself, John. I'm sure you could, Anna, now that I've heard you're combining your acting career with one in journalism. How's that working out? It's working well, John. Most evenings I'll be on stage in some play or other, and the following morning you'll find me in a local coffee shop reviewing the previous evening's show for a national newspaper. Surely it's unethical to review your own performances. Yes, yes, but, but it's improved my critical notices no end. Although I did give myself one star for my turn as Shirley Valentine in... Um, oh, what was that play called? I can't remember now, but uh, I, I did think that was unfair. In the end, it all turned out to be a printing error. Well, let's hope there are no errors as you help out with the next bit of the show, Anna. Seamless, John. Because it's time once again to find out what's on in Leighton Buzzard. There's a unique event taking place on Monday when the Leighton Buzzard Ukulele and Helicopter Club holds its decennial recruitment drive. If you're expertly proficient in playing the ukulele and enjoy flying a helicopter in your spare time, now's your chance to help fill the many gaps in their membership. Here's an audio recording of their last get-together. Sounds like a lot of rotorcraft-based musical fun to be had there. On Yerk's Day, the Leighton Buzzard Starting and Stopping Society will be hosting a starting and stopping evening for all you starters and stoppers. It kicks off at 5.30 and finishes at around 5.35. Then it resumes at 5.40 before coming to a close at 5.45. The event recommences at 5.50 and concludes at 6pm before restarting at 10 past 6 and drawing to an end at 6.20. The event will begin again at half past 6 and shuts down at 6.40. The whole thing gets going once more at 6.50 and continues until, well, you get the idea. The Society advises all attendees planning to travel to the event by car to use the roads provided. On Nardende evening in the Leighton Buzzard Village Hall, the Frank Sinatra Gargling Orchestra will be holding their annual concert in aid of second homeless politicians who, through no fault of their own, have been forced to live in a single mansion in Hampstead Garden suburb. The Garglers will once again be performing some old Sinatra favourites in their own inimitable style. Here's an excerpt from last year's concert.
brings it all back up, doesn't it? Entry is priced at two and six, so you'll have to go back to February 1971 to pay for a ticket. And parking is free as long as you live nearby and can use your own garage. One last thing: if you're lucky enough to snag yourself a seat in the front three rows, do remember to wear waterproof clothing. Well, that brings us to the end of what's on in Leighton Buzzard for this week, and thanks once again to Anna for helping out. Any time, John. In lieu of any new ideas, ITV proudly presents It'll Be Alright Until Griff Reese Jones Takes Over and Then It'll Be Terrible. Please welcome your host, Dennis Narden. Welcome to yet another catastrophically creaky compilation of carelessly chosen cock ups and deathlessly drab. Dullards with regrettably repetitive routines and mind-meltingly mundane monologues. But enough about me. Here's a barrage of bone-headed blunders taken from that most peculiar of podcasts, the Nothing to Do with Anything show, written and performed by John Dredge. Why has it all got to be so terribly lemony? Terribly lemony there on... Uh... <laughs> That's for our William age 10. With his producer, Richard Cray. I left oh. my soul on Moonbase Alpha. <laughs> um. <laughs> That's a niche joke. And a cast of curiously clumsy characters comprising Miles Edie. Everything Gokwan says is like he's reading it out for the first time. And he hasn't actually ever practised. Greg Haste. Oh, that's a shame. I was just getting into the swing of it. No, I wasn't. <clears throat> this is what I will be like in another 20 years' time you do it. Anna Emerson. Oh, I've done it wrong. Oh, Terry. Oh, Terry. Oh, Terry. I can't get it wrong. Oh, Terry. Katie Slater. We're going back there next year. Year. Yeah. <laughs> So, did I do that one right this time, or I did it wrong again? James Shakeshaft. An MI6. Q is the man with the gadgets. Is this getting a bit Sofa's direct? And Max Dowler. Good afternoon, sir. You're always turning into a bit of a Trevor Brooking, by mistake. <laughs> Nobody wants a Trevor Brooking trying to sell them double glazing. The series also featured the voices of... Will Franken. How was that voice there? Because I never, I never watched the original Batman. Superheroes always scared me. And Neil Desai. How the hell do I get out? How the hell do you get out? <laughs> How the hell does anybody get out? And last, but by no means least, a ludicrously loathsome lemon meringue pie. Well, we're sorry to say that the impression of Dennis Norden was so bad it caused the programme to become unstable, with the inevitable result that the whole thing blew up. You're absolutely sure this isn't a library? Yes! So now, rather earlier than advertised, tonight's book so much before bedtime it was hardly worth getting out of bed, read by an actress who'll take whatever work she's offered right now. The Famous Five Go by Enid Blyton. 
said Julian, excitedly wolfing down four large servings of cereal. Can Dick, Anne and I go? Today? Not today, dear, replied Mrs. Kirin. Your father and I have agreed that you should all go instead. It's not fair, screamed Julian, repeatedly thumping his head on the breakfast table. You know, we really should wean you kids off the Frosties, said Mrs. Kirin. Dick and Anne looked up from their bowls in great disappointment. Cheer up for Christ's sake, she continued. Now that you're all back from boarding school for the holidays, your father has arranged for you to stay with your Uncle Quentin. Your cousin Georgina will be there too, as she's completed her course of hormone therapy. You've each got a one-way ticket on the 1028 high speed... From Paul's F. And your father and I are dying for some peace and quiet, so get a ruddy move on. Dick felt compelled to interject, but surely if we just went, we'd get there a lot quicker. All right then, said Mrs. Kirin, just this once, otherwise your father and I will never be rid of you. And so Anne packed her nicest dress, Dick packed Anne, and Julian packed the roof of the family home. Just in case it rains, he said, sayingly. Goodbye, mother, shouted Julian and Dick, carrying both their luggage and Anne into the driveway. I'm not your mother, shouted Mrs. Kirin, slamming the front door behind them. And so, off on a new adventure, the three of them went, going... And at the same time tomorrow, an actor who's only doing the odd book until he gets some work narrating documentaries reads Five Speak to a Solicitor About Their Inheritance. (laughs) 